0: Hey, this is Steve Bolton. You are tuned into My Turning Point, where this week joined by Kay Flay. Really fun conversation with her on her school days at Stanford, working with Travis Barker and Tom Morello, and so much more. Hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did, because I really had a blast with her just catching my breath. I just finished my workout. I was just telling my producer, I have a tendency of late to, I'm going to do like a, a smaller workout. And then I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'm good. And you know, <laughs> overdo it every, and I always end up doing it before interviews. So I have to have this preface before every interview that that's why I'm out
1: of breath. Oh, well, I, um, breathlessness is a very, um, <laughs> unique way to begin an interview. I'm actually going to speaking of, I'm going to just get a glass of water. One second. I'll be right back. Oh, okay, sorry about
0: that. you,
1: know,
0: you can do that. <laughs> <So> <laughs> now, you can, now, now you have you know you have your water and everything. So yes. where are you today? Where are you based these days? Uh, Los Angeles okay. I am down in Long Beach. Is it nice and uh overcast in Los Angeles right now?
1: No, it's it's uh pretty clear skies. I was out on a walk this morning. It was uh kind of like a pure blue situation. Nice. yeah.
0: Uh, well, it's still here by the beach. It's a little overcast, but it's nice. <laughs> so this is a busy time for you now. It's interesting. I mean, it's crazy the level of stuff that people have gone to in terms of the disparity counting down wow. to 100. So there have been a lot of different turning point moments and they really it, do cover a range.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a very interesting question. I mean, there have been, uh, been many turning points in my life, but I think, I was, I was recounting this recently. Uh, I had started making these kind of random like joke songs in college. This is when I started making music and I was also learning to, to code. And so i had made this little website and I was like putting up these weird songs I was making. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really had no idea what I was doing. And this guy called me. I don't even know how he got my phone number, but he called me and he was like, Hey, I'm putting together a show. Um, would you want to play at it? And I had never, I had never been on stage. I had never, you know, like, i like, I'm totally new to music. I'm in, I'm in college. I'm like studying other stuff. Um, very serious student. And, I said, yeah, why not? Um, sure, I'll play, I'll play the show. And I think in many ways that was what well, was a turning point in the sense that it was, it was sort of the first first step I took into this world of performing music and writing music with even the, the vague intention that I would perform it in <laughs> some capacity. Um, but it was, it was more of a turning point in this, this openness to new experience. You know, I was a very, a very regimented and rigid in certain ways, teenager. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had very, which, which is not true for all teenagers. I, I had very strong ideas about what I should and shouldn't do and how I was meant to live and behave. And when I said yes to that live show, I think it was a turning point in expanding my own conception of what I could do, should do, couldn't do, shouldn't do. um, And really helped me to develop this, this vast, and often very confounding gray area uh, in which I now happily reside.
0: And there's like 168 questions to go in from that. And I'm going to go back and just start with the basic stuff of, well, first of all, where'd you go to college
1: and what were you studying? So I went to Stanford University and I was studying psychology and sociology with kind of like a little bit of a quantitative bent on, on things. And yeah, I was really, I think I was really interested in how, you know, how you can actually use data to figure out what human beings are like and how they might behave. <laughs> uh, that, that was very intriguing to me and exciting to me.
0: Oh, this is fascinating. Sorry, this is, this happens in every interview, by the way. Come on, Dieter, where I have both a dog and a cat. And what happens is the cat comes onto the bed where the dog was laying down and then the dog walks over to me and then the cat comes over to me. So they're, they're part of every interview process. It's a, a routine apparently is I'm right after a workout and breathless. And then the pets come over and disrupt the and interview. Then the,
1: it's a menagerie. Um, yeah,
0: exactly. So I love the fact that too, that you were studying psych, uh, psychology and sociology. So you kind of became your own experiment in doing the singing and to see how you responded to putting yourself in this situation. So how did you respond? Did you, you know, did you meet your own hypothesis?
1: I well, in some ways I had no hypothesis and I think that's what's interesting for me upon reflection is that music provided this provided me entry into a world where I had no expectation for myself. Like I didn't I didn't know number one what music I should be making or what it should sound like. uh, I didn't, I didn't know how people performed. Like I didn't even know the right way, the quote unquote right way to be on stage. I didn't have like career goals for music. So it was this very, it was a wide open space. And I think psychologically I did need that as just as a human to grow um, because I was very comfortable in these 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 boxes, you know, and it, it was it was important for me to kind of float out into the sea, but I think my response to performing was a real sense of invigoration i mean there's uh, first of all, I was horrible i mean i should I should state this that like I didn't know what I was doing, my music was horrible, and i didn't know how to perform so <laughs> But, I, but I, <laughs> I, I did have the, the bravery, I guess, on some level, the courage or maybe just like the sheer idiocy, a delusional idiocy to get up there and try. And I think going on a stage and authentically attempting to do something is a very powerful experience and it's very empowering. Even if the result isn't great, even if it's just your two friends in the crowd, which has, of course, happened to me, you know, no one at the show. It is still, it's still like part of this resilience and, and energy formation, weird thing that happens where you're like, oh, shit, like I can, oh, yeah, I can do that. I, 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 I did that
0: yeah it's funny how you put it like for sheer idiocy or the courage it's just the youthful Robato I remember doing open poetry <laughs> readings when I was a kid and I was a shitty ass poet but there is that courage of getting up there, yeah. but it's just the youthful Robto of, of not of not knowing well enough to know that you're gonna suck
1: <laughs> to- I totally agree, and you know particularly for me in college that was a that was a time when i I just I just said yes to things. I was just stoked to do whatever, you know, I was very, I was very curious about a whole host of topics and experiences. And so, you know, I was trying a lot of new things. And one of those things I was trying was making music and, you know, embarrassing myself on stage.
0: See, I love this as well. We're going to come on to the new stuff in a second, but this all fascinates the hell out of me because also it's interesting. So you went to Stanford right? Obviously you say you were very regimented. Obviously you had to study your ass off to get in there. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, and I talk with artists about this all the time. I'm sure there was a point then when you realized that you had to move away from that regimented and the studying your ass off and music became that release that allowed you to, you know, sort of step out of the discipline that you had had to have to get to that point. And it's funny because, you look at like all right this is not a great example but it's a, you know remember what years ago when Tiger Woods had that breakdown and everything just went to shit with him right. and I remember discussing at the time who was surprised you're that disciplined you work that hard that stuff has to come out yeah. in some capacity mm-hmm. you know so when you read scandals with like politicians it's really not surprising because when you repress everything so what I'm getting at it's funny it's actually very healthy that music and getting up on stage when it was something you never thought of probably became a great release for you.
1: Oh, I mean, undoubtedly I, you know, I, I finished college. I graduated and I stayed very disciplined throughout that. I mean, like school was my focus. I was doing music on the side. However, after I graduated, I moved to San Francisco and I began kind of this next phase where I don't know if I ever have released my uh, tight and uh, uh, unrelenting grip on my own discipline standards, but I did release my grip on some of my behavioral standards. And I, I let myself be, be free (laughs) in a certain sense. You know, I mean, I, you know, I throughout my teenage years in college, like, you know, I did not drink alcohol. I did not like, I was, you know, very, very like straight edge. And I didn't even know that term at the time, but that's like, you know, kind of what I was. And I needed to break out of that. I needed to experiment. I needed to explore. I needed to be able to sit like, you know, as I mentioned before, this, these gray areas, and, and say like, oh, actually, life isn't just this or that. It's like the fucking swamp
0: in between. Yeah. It's, so it's funny that it makes the song then like, wait, I suck with titles. Hold on. I am terrible with titles because I look at things all the way. I just listen to like straight one through five. Mm. Ah, four letter words. But it makes it, it's funny because as we talk about this, then it makes the song like four letter words kind of take on a different meaning in terms of that release
1: totally and you know you you said this kind of in your question that like music became this place to release this energy and i think you are 100% right and that's really what this ep is about in many ways is kind of me me reflecting more in a more focused manner on that like there is me christine citizen civilian very disciplined, make my bed, my, you know, I live in a fastidiously kept home, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's like, K, I mean, I have an alter ego for it, but whatever you want to call your own personal one, there's Caveley, who's like, and actually, sorry, I've already uh, used profanity. So I, I hope that was okay that I did that. But um, You can say
0: whatever the fuck you want on this
1: show. Okay. Okay. So, you know, then there's Caveley, who's like, actually, you know what? Fuck you fuck the government, fuck all of this, you know? And like, actually and fuck myself. Like I suck too, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> there's, it's not limited to, to other people. I, 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 I have some harsh words for, for my, my own personhood, but I think that, you know, there is that voice as well. And music is the place where I get to kind of sublimate that in a way, you know, it's like this safe and actually productive way to express the natural frustration and confusion and joy and disappointment of being alive.
0: Well, now it's interesting too. I mean, and then it's funny because this also ties in with Lynn Fiske and Fred, by the way, is the person I was referring oh, to who's a good friend. Cool. Absolutely love that. By the way, did you ever hear from him after you covered Break Stuff?
1: I did. I heard, I, I heard back from all, every, all, all three artists in some capacity giving like their, their blessing and being, being stoked on the song, which was, you know, which was really nice. I think that's like all you can really hope for if you're, if you're covering somebody.
0: All right. So what did Fred say?
1: I, I'm not, I can't totally remember. I think, I think he DM'd me. I think it's a DM conversation of like, Hey, this is awesome. (laughs) Something to that effect.
0: No great dude, but it's funny because speaking of release must have been a lot of fun then to you know fucking let loose with a limp biscuit song
1: yeah, I mean you know the the concept behind that eP and my kind of mission statement was really how do I take these prototypically aggressive male songs and recontextualize them and and kind of reframe them in the year twenty twenty and as as a female vocalist in this world of alternative rock. And for me, Break Stuff, the reason that I wanted to cover it was the first couple lines sort of felt like they, they echoed in my head every morning during the height of the pandemic. You know, just one of those days, you don't want to wake up. Everything is fucked <laughs> and everybody sucks. <laughs> and, you know that felt that felt prescient in certain ways, and what I think is interesting, and what I really endeavored to do with that cover was to take that feeling of frustration of being cloistered and cooped up, and 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 think about how it can manifest. Because I think for a lot of people, it manifests in real kind of wistfulness and sadness and a sense of feeling depressed and underwater, you know? And so obviously the original, there's a lot of kind of aggressive energy. And I, I wanted to, to think about the song. Well, actually, what is it? What's another side of this same experience, which is that, that kind of blueness of feeling impotent in the world.
0: So it's interesting because you're talking about, and it's funny because you're talking about, it's so I'm doing an interview at one today with a woman by the name of Olivia O'Brien. Do you know her new singer?
1: Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know her personally, but yeah, I, I, I know her music. Well, she had
0: the funniest tweet this morning, which was essentially, she's like, are my expectations really high? Or is the world just getting dumber and dumber? And <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because as you're talking about the lines for break stuff, though we seem to be reaching a, a, you know, sort of a positive point coming out of the pandemic, it still feels like, you know, remarkably appropriate with the idea of, you know, don't want to get out of bed and people suck.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's the battle, right? Like since the dawn of human existence, it's like, (laughs) I I, I don't, I don't know if that ever really, that sense will ever like vanish from the human experience. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think also, of course, we're in this like totally bizarre moment where like, you know, everything is visible and there's like constant information coming at us from all angles and like idiots and misinformation get amplified on the internet and, you know, whatever, like it's, we're living in a, I don't even know what we're living in. It's, it, it feels, it feels overwhelming when I try to when I try to break it down.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it's very overwhelming and I think for everyone, but it's interesting then as a point to be an artist and deal with all this and have this release. And it's funny, I, I wanna go back to too, also when we we're talking earlier about the, um, oh, when we we're talking about coming out of school and the repressed and, or, you know, and having mm-hmm. all that stuff to release. It's so funny because, you know, I've known Morello for 20 years. He is, I actually, it's funny, this popped up on my Facebook, but I once actually had to drive him between events to do our rolling stone interview because that was the only time we had to do it. So we're friends friends. Man, uh-huh. I wish I could have just been a fly on the wall listening to the two of you talk.
1: <laughs> I love Tom. I So do know, I. He, yeah, he and I, you know, we met because he he cold emailed me um like 4 years ago. I was like Hey, I heard your song on the radio. Do you want to talk or something? And I was in Nashville and I was like, what, you know, I'm like Tom Morello just emailed me. Um, and I, you know, I worked on a song for his solo record and then we developed this friendship and we're both from the suburbs of Chicago. We both are mild mannered, reasonable people, um, on some level, but we're also people who make, kind of brash aggressive music and there's something interesting about that to me and it's and I, I really enjoy speaking with Tom. He's he's very yeah he's one of the I don't want to say one of the few, but he's he's someone I've met in this industry who I really I really look up to in a lot of ways. You know, I, I think I think he's done so many things with bravery and grace and I really respect that and it's interesting because I was thinking of course of the educational thing and
0: and you know channeling that work and being proud of it you know uh there's another artist who I won't name who I feel like every time you talk to them they make you feel like they went to Harvard you know and Tom is that person who is just so chill and there's no like you know, no pompousness, no arrogance. It's just very simply like, this is who he is. And he happened to have been smart enough to go there. And he's really smart and, you know, loves these things that he's passionate about. But it's interesting because they, oh, go ahead.
1: Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, uh, I I think, I think having any, any sort of, uh, I don't know, arrogance in that department is both totally misguided, you know, I mean, we we don't need to go on a sidetrack about, you know, formal education and credentialing and on many levels, how meaningless all of that is. Uh, what's important to me as a person is like, I love to learn and I'm curious and I, and I like learning. And I think it's the greatest thing and the only thing you can do as a human. I do actually think that's the purpose of life is to learn. Like we are data processing beings. We have all these different senses. We have this crazy brain. That's the point is, is to take in data, synthesize it and try to make something out of it. So I think anybody who's like, you know, yeah, up their own butt about you know for, any types of formal education. I'm like the world. We're we're here to learn. There's a lot of ways to do it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I not, I'm not a, not a big fan of when I'm interacting with with that kind of energy.
0: But now it's funny when you and also you worked with Travis as well, who's also a good friend and I've known for many years. And you know what's interesting about both of them. Is their level of a con? There's two things that are interesting about both of them that they share in common. One, they are both still passionate music fans, no matter everything they've done. Mm-hmm. And two, they're both remarkably like just chill about what they've done. You know, I mean, Tom is, you know, oh, it's funny. The first time he and I met, I think he was drunk at a at a, a Springsteen show, and then of course he ended up playing in East Street Band, and know. you know, and right. Travis, of course, is like. He'll work with, every, I've interviewed a bunch of young artists he works with lately, Maude's Jaden. And at the same uh-huh. time, it's like, you, he's so chill, you forget, oh shit, the dude actually played drums with Eminem at the Grammys. You know, so right. for you as an artist, when you're around people who are both that humble, but have done that much, and also have that drive for learning you're talking about, it's it, just as a side note, I agree with you 100%. One of the best quotes anyone ever had would be in an interview was, I was stupid lucky enough to get to interview B.B. King when I was younger, and he had just started playing clarinet. And he was like 71. And I asked him why he started playing something new at that age. He's like, because every day you're not learning is a day wasted.
1: Yeah. I,
0: I mean, I totally agree. So it's interesting for you to talk about what you learn working with them, but also as an artist, how inspiring it is to be around people who've done this this long and still are that passionate about music, that excited that they will cold email you or like sit there and are like, oh my God, I'm going to work with this fucking 16 year old kid out
1: of the Midwest just because I'm a fan yeah i mean i you know it's it's probably no coincidence that tom and travis you know i reached out to them to, to work on on this music together because i really i'm drawn to that energy and, and i think you know you make a great point about this this genuine love of music and a genuine openness to new things and like new artists what's happening like what's exciting to me as a listener and as a musician, of course, but like, I, you know, I think most of us get into this business because Mm -hmm. we love music and we love being a part of it, making it, performing it, writing about it, booking it, managing it, like whatever it is. Um, and it's, it's quite easy to, to lose that, That joy, and I've been I've been talking about this a lot lately, and I know Yo-Yo Ma just has this book about beginner's mind, and and so I feel like a lot of people have been kind of chatting about it, at least in my my friend group. But the power of beginner's mind, and if actually you try to approach your whole life every day as a beginner, you know this BB King anecdote is awesome. It's like, well, yeah, on some level, the reason BB King takes up the clarinet is because it forces him to have beginner's mind. And when you have beginner's mind, you don't have expectations. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. Everything's exciting. Small victories feel like giant leaps forward. Like it's invigorating, it's frustrating, but fundamentally you your creativity is opened. And I think that's what's so like, exciting to me about people like Tom or Travis is that I f- to me, just as, you know, someone outside of them, they, they feel like people who embrace that mentality and that's something I aspire to embrace as well. Like, you know, the humility to say, I don't really, I know some things, certainly don't know everything. There's a lot left to learn. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm excited to know more. And I'm not going to just like cling to something that I feel I need to believe in order to feel like important or safe or whatever, just like, I'll, I'll be open to that, that newness and that like uncharted territory.
0: I love that so much. Cause it comes back to what we're talking about at the beginning of that idea of opening yourself up to perform, for example, because the beginner's mind is, you know, I mean, so for you, what are the last things you feel like you've done? where you've opened yourself up to that beginner's mind. And it's interesting because I was just going to say as an aside of that, you know, I talk with artists all the time about their different passions, whether it's ASAP Rocky with fashion, whether it's Brandon Boyd and search, thank you and painting. And everyone agrees the same thing that when you take or like Mike go from Incubus going back to school, all of these things tie in and reinvigorate you for music. So are there things that you've sort of opened your beginner's mind to of recent that then tie back in and ex- excite you again for music?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the biggest thing in this kind of last year is I'm a very avid crossword puzzle solver. Um, and I've started constructing my own crossword puzzles, which like, I don't know how to do. I'm just like, uh. but, but you know, I'm very, I love wordplay. I think language is very fun and I think it's meant to be toyed with, <laughs> and, uh, as much as possible. So I've, yeah, I've begun constructing these crossword puzzles and actually I just got, Um, another rejection from the New York times uh, last night. Um, You know, and I'm going, I'm not going through like, I'm just submitting as a regular person trying to get into the paper. And it's been, it, it has, I think activated something in my brain that's connected to music because it's a reminder, I think of the, the foundational joy that we're talking about, right? Like the reason you start doing something is because it's, it's delightful. Maybe that's a good adjective. Like I think I found when I first made a song and when I first played that show, abysmal as it was, I, I found great delight in the process and it's hard to pinpoint what was delightful about it. Um, there's, there's probably a lot of things. But I feel I have felt similarly this last year in making my own puzzles. Like the the delight of figuring out, oh, this is going to be the theme. And like, oh, God, I can put this word here. And and there's no point to this, right? Like no, no one's asking me to do any of this. And no one ever asked me to make music. I just... I did it <laughs> because it was it was delightful. And it was a way to, I think in a certain way, have a sense of humor about being alive because music to me is always playful and should always be playful for me. That's how I feel about it. And that doesn't mean I don't take myself seriously in that I work hard and I try to do a good job, but... I I really do think it's important to engage with, yeah, the 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 sheer delight of being able to take things in your brain and then make them physical, tangible objects in the world, and making crossword puzzles has (laughs) kind of, in a strange way, you know, like to your point, reinvigorated uh, my musical uh, excitement and inspiration as well.
0: Like these last couple of questions, but one I have to ask, what's your proudest crossword puzzle clue so far?
1: Oh, my proudest clue. Well, hard, it's hard to say one clue. I, I did have a theme that I'm really proud of. So basically what it was is, so my, and this, this has been rejected. So well, let's make this public. The New York times has rejected this puzzle. Okay. What was okay. the theme that so. they rejected? The theme is the revealer at the, bo- in the bottom right is no ifs, ands or "buts." And then throughout the puzzle, in different answers, the word "if," the letters "if" and and "but are uh, excised from certain words in a way that kind of makes sense. So like, for instance, there's like a clue that's talking about uh, tests, and the answer should be standardized but it's stardized because it's missing the end. There's other clues like that. Anyways, I thought it, I thought it was pretty... Well, listen. That's, as, as my grandmother would say, that's what makes horse races.
0: <laughs> All right. Now, is there one album or song or artist that you have worked into a clue so far that you've been very proud of? Or do you do music stuff or not really?
1: Oh, I, I have had some. I got um, you know I became a big a c d c fan a couple of years ago, and when we were touring first touring in australia, and I was like whatever i'm I'm late to everything, so I've become a fan of everything like you know thirty years after I should have um but i uh i got i i got t n t include t n t with the a c d c thing very recently I don't know what music ones. Oh, I got cigarettes in the in the puzzle. Um, yeah, a few, a few.
0: I was, but I don't think I, by the way you're ever too old or too late to come to ACDC. So I, you know, I
1: agree, I agree, I agree.
0: Wait, so now I have to ask this quick aside before we wrap up on on the new music and tour plans or playing the stuff live. What one ACDC song would you ever want to cover? Because you want to talk about coming at things from you know revamping a male perspective. I mean. They are, I love that band, but it's so funny. You go back to songs like Whole Lot of Rosie, and I mean, they are like yeah. archetypal male band in so many respects. Great dudes. I actually just interviewed them for the first time. Amazing guys.
1: I mean, my, my favorite ACDC song is Back in Black. But I mean, the, I feel like that's everybody's favorite song, but that's my favorite song. So I guess I would cover that. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. I don't think I can sing like that.
0: Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny. That's not, by the way, my favorite ACDC song. So I guess it's oh. not everyone's favorite. What's your favorite ACDC song? I have a couple. I really love For Those About to Rock just because if you've seen it live, those cannons are a fucking blast. Literally. <laughs> I do love Hell's Bells. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so a- I remember having this conversation with Slash once and we were talking about it and it's like, acdc has one song it just so happens that it's a really great song
1: yeah right well you know what's cool about acdc that got pointed out to me was like there are no drum fills it's just like it's just there's like very very few drum fills it's just a constant beat with with like no fills which when i started like going and listening i was like oh yeah that's kind of true that's really interesting
0: Yeah, no, they're an amazing, and it's an amazing live show. And hopefully COVID didn't screw up. They're doing one final tour. Okay, we'll see. So speaking of final tours, you know, or not final tours, (laughs) just speaking of tours. (laughs) Oh no, oh no. Now that, you know, it's so funny because I was just interviewing Wolfgang Van Halen yesterday and we were talking about this and it's so weird to be doing interviews now versus six months ago when everything six months ago was in the abstract and it's like, well, if you could tour again, what songs are you most excited to play? Now, of course, we're at that point where the touring is coming, things are coming back. So A, do you have tour plans at this point? And B, you know, you've now released 10 songs, including the covers this year. Are there tracks that you are particularly excited to bring to a stage?
1: Yeah. So touring plans this summer um, and this fall, I've got some kind of select dates. I'm opening up some shows. I have some headline shows. Um, a couple little festival things. Um, the The main touring uh, for for this new music will be happening next year. Kind of the big headline runs, and I I mean I'm honestly excited about like playing this this whole new EP live. I think sometimes when you're putting a set together, if you have like more chill songs. At least for me, I'm often trying to find a way to give them more power or energy live unless it's like a down moment in the set, right? Unless it's like, okay, actually guys, now we're taking it down. Like, put your, put your cell phone up. Like, we're going to have a moment together. So it's, it's kind of nice for me because this, this EP has so much energy and, and feels really big sonically to me the song I'm probably most excited for, but we need to figure out how to, I don't know if we're going to have to get like a hologram for Tom Morello or whatever, but (laughs) I'm very, I'm very eager to play TGIF live. And, uh, you know, that, that song getting back to this, this notion of sheer delight, that song was made with the spirit of sheer delight by, um, all very mild mannered Midwestern people, uh, who all of whom I really, really care about and respect. And, you know, I think that that, that always affects, I think it affects the end product. I think the song, you know, I'm really proud of that song and I, I can't wait to, to play that live and like hopefully watch people, you know, sort of peacefully mosh.
0: Peacefully mosh. It's so funny. I, I mean, you know, I think at this point now, and it's, I'm just looking at your tour dates and you have something coming up quickly. The first one is in what? Like, uh, Next Oh, wait, month. wait, wait. I'm looking at this. You're doing riot fest. There's nothing freaking peaceful about riot fest. It's fun, but no one's freaking peacefully moshing there. <laughs> Last time we went to riot fest, first of all, the ground was so muddy. Our yeah. shoes, we left that. We actually left Chicago <laughs> without the shoes that we came with, you know? And second of all, yeah. I mean, when you have Nine Inch Nails there, who's one of my five favorite bands of all time, there's gonna be nothing peaceful about that Moshi, but it's gonna be particularly interesting to watch this stuff coming up this year when everybody has so much
1: pent-up energy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, yeah, I'm I think I think the shows are gonna be awesome. You know, it's 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 exciting because it, it feels like we've all um reconsidered why we care about live music (laughs) you know like why when something gets taken away from you 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 kind of have to uh go through some type of reckoning in terms of like hey did i actually need that do i care about it does it matter and and so i think for a lot of people musicians and and audience members alike although uh, that's a those aren't separate groups (laughs) you know there's there's been a big realization of like oh yeah we need this as, as a society we need this yeah you know it's funny
0: i think that you know i i talked about this so much at the beginning of covid it's gonna be very fascinating to see how it plays out um you know because being fortunate to talk to so many fascinating artists and how people have changed and everything i think the vast majority of people have changed but of course you know as I said at the beginning of COVID, and I think we're seeing it's even more true now, you're still going to get the douchebags who are like, oh my God, I need the right Coachella wristband party. You know, like there are still going to be those people who who have simply learned nothing during this time. But so it's interesting for you, we'll wrap up on this. Did you find that you really miss live music? And as a fan, since you are going to Riot Fest, but I'm looking, you're also playing a show in LA on September 17th. So obviously you're not going to be there for the whole three days. Who would be the one or two bands that you are most looking forward to peacefully moshing to?
1: Oh, <laughs> um, you mean at Riot Fest? Yeah, I think. Well, we're playing. Do, do they have the the days individually lined up right now, or like who's playing? They or no, is they it just now. they do? Okay, because I yeah. was going to say we're going to be there. I'll look. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. They do. Um, I'm there on a good day. So I know you have invoked Nine Inch Nails already. I saw Nine Inch Nails. We played Corona Capital in Mexico City two years ago or whatever. And they were one of the headliners. I had never seen them live before. And I was like having the time of my life. I mean, I wasn't wasn't in the mosh pit, um, but... I, I had to, I, you know, I, 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 couldn't afford to break any bones or anything. Um, yeah. I mean, I love, I think, you know, I, I love that band. I love the evolution. I think Trent Reznor is a genius. I really, I really loved that show. And I think, I think I'm, you know, I will be very excited to see that again in this, um, in this atmosphere and actually uh, mother, mother who's a band that I toured with um, in Canada. We did like a whole Canadian run. I don't know, maybe four years ago. Um, I love their music uh, and I love their songwriting and we're, they're playing the same day as well. So I'm excited to see them again. And just like, you know, when you, I think one of the, the beautiful things about music, right. Is that there's the, music is always associated with a time of your life or typically associated with a time in your life when you were going through whatever. And so those songs, it's almost like sense memory. You hear the song and you're like, I'm back. It's, 20, it's <laughs> 2017. I'm, you know, I'm figuring out my life. And, uh, so, so I'm very, I'll be very excited for that. And I'm seeing who else is playing that day. I mean, obviously the Pixies are awesome. I've seen them play once before in Portland. And that was really fun. Well,
0: it's funny because they're not necessarily a band of Moshtail. But oh my no. God, I just
1: freaking love Devo as well. Dude, Devo is the first. I mean, that's like, I didn't really understand that Devo was like operating on this extremely high level. Because I only knew Devo as like Whip It. I didn't know anything beyond that. And it was only recently that like, I kind of got introduced to the whole world. So I'll, I'll be stoked to see that.
0: Uh, and it's funny because you say Trent's a genius, and he absolutely is. I've, you know, and I've talked to countless artists who will tell you that he is actually the, the greatest artist of this generation. And even Dave Grohl, who a lot of people would say is the greatest artist of this generation, has said that Trent is the greatest artist of this, <laughs> of this generation. May very well be. But Devo are damn geniuses as well. And, and yeah. from a moshing standpoint... Oh my god! Fever three 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 are just such a fucking fun band to watch. I don't know if you know them. They're actually friends with Travis. He produced their first record. He and John Feldy. They're amazing, and they're like, you know, they're very, uh, very. They come very much out of the rage school of being hyper political.
1: Oh yeah, I don't know them. I'll need. I'll, I'll listen today. And uh, and afternoon. then I also love
0: Caddy Hoopla, who was actually also just on the show and is amazing. So you really are playing it, well. Actually, there's no bad days. <laughs> I mean, no, if you were playing no the same day as Run the Jewels and Faith, no more. That doesn't suck either. But you know,
1: <laughs> totally. Well, Sunday will be a good day. We can say that for sure. Cool. What do you want to add? We didn't talk about. Um. Uh. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we covered covered the bases. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously very excited to have new music out and just. You know, I think one of the great uh, insights of this last year for me has been what what in my life is positive and productive stimulation, and what is negative or unproductive stimulation. And that's been I've I've been able to sort of clarify that in a in a really nice way. And I'm excited to to bring that uh, wisdom into my kind of normal life as things return and into my touring life. So I'm just, I'm just really excited. I'm really excited for this year. I'm very hopeful, cautiously optimistic. And that's about it.
0: All right, By the way, I just came up with a genius marketing plan for you as well, just because this is for me. Cause I was like, wait, I want to see these crossword puzzles. I'm not saying I could do one, but I want (laughs) to see them, but you should actually just release them through your website or social media. And then have like, you know, for people who can actually do a whole thing, they win prizes or a meet and greet or whatever.
1: Yeah. I, I need to, I think I need to take my, um, my rejection letters and uh, um, use them productively. So maybe I'll just release these on the internet. Yeah. And, but also make it a con,
0: you know, cause like I said, I mean, I'd be curious to see them. I do not claim by any way, shape or form that I could actually do one. Yeah. I think you could do one. Uh, I mean, if you did a music nerd one, I could probably do that, but you know, the no okay. evidence for us, for example, no not a chance yeah <laughs> cool this was a pleasure I really enjoyed it thank you so much
1: yeah thanks Steve I appreciate it take care
0: hey this is Steve Balton you've been listening to my turning point with special guest k Play. thanks
1: I'm usually nice but just for the night I wanna be mean I wanna fight I wanna say things I've been keeping inside. For four letter words I'm cursing fuck you you didn't deserve me.
2: When it comes to LASIK, Dr. Boutros and the Eye Center have led the way for the past 25 years. Today, this tradition continues by being one of the few practices in the country to offer you iDesign 2.0, using the same technology as the NASA James Webb Telescope. And in the hands of an elite surgeon like Dr. Boutros, more patients are seeing twenty twenty or better after LASIK. Right now, enjoy 20% off iLASIK with iDesign. Go to theicenter.com or call 888-844-2020. Some restrictions apply.
1: If you're a parent with cancer, you're probably worried that your child is feeling scared, sad, or alone when all you want is for them to just feel like a kid. Camp Kesem is a free week-long overnight camp for children ages 6 to 18 who have a parent facing cancer and was created for kids like yours to have a joyful and empowering summer. Kids have a blast together enjoying camp activities surrounded by a compassionate community of friends. Register your child for a free life-changing adventure at kesem.org slash camp.